this is the time. So I want to share a verse that uh, God has been placed, uh, God has placed in my heart. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Uh, I love the word, so I don't want to get too much into the word. You might be here till evening. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 says, I sought for a man uh, to stand in the gap who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But the sad part of that verse is ends by saying, I found none. I heard this verse uh, preached uh, in the city of Chennai in 1981 in India. And the Lord spoke to me very powerfully from this particular chapter. Go home and read this chapter. This chapter is like uh, reading the morning Toronto stuff. It talks about the, the state of the city of Jerusalem. The sin of the city where, there, where there's inquest, there's violence, there's adultery, there's bloodshed. Uh, you name it, it's there. And in that context, uh, God looks at four different types of people. He looks at the prophets, he looks at the princes, he looks at the priests, he looks at the people, all with these. Uh, it's there in the Bible. And in each one of the group, he looks and tries to find a person who will stand in the gap on behalf of the people. And the sad part of it is, ends by saying in that particular verse, I found none. I found none. And my challenge to you this morning as you're celebrating your anniversary is, would you say, God, here am I. You have to change that verse. In 1981, I said, Lord, that verse has got to be changed because here am I. You cannot say I haven't found anybody to stand in the gap on behalf of my people. I want to I challenge you today as we live in this beautiful city of Toronto. As we live in this beautiful land of Canada. But I believe the nations at large are going through turmoil. We're going through a realm where we've never seen beheadings so common. We've never seen violence. We've never seen shootings on the streets. We've never seen the truth of the word of God being challenged. Where even the definition of a family is being questioned. We live in such a world, whether you like it or not, as you read the newspapers, as you put on a CBC or City TV, you're going to be challenged with the world that is facing you. And I believe God at this stage is asking, will I find one person, one man, one woman, who will be willing to stand on behalf of me in this land? And my prayer by end of the little minutes, few minutes that I, I'm speaking to you, that you will say, God, here am I. I want to show very quickly in this particular chapter, in Ezekiel chapter 22, God, God looks at four different groups of people. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 26, he goes to the priests. He says, the priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy. Nor have they made the, the difference between the unclean and the clean. The priest who's supposed to divide the word of God <clears throat> and make it very clear, this is holy ground, this is unholy ground. This is not allowed as per the scriptures, and this is allowed by the scriptures. And the Lord says, I couldn't find the priest who could divide the word of God. Then he goes to the next group of people, which are the princesses in our midst, are like wolves, verse 27, tearing the prey to shed blood to destroy the people and to get dishonest gain. People in authority have become corrupt. 
Then he goes to the prophets in verse 28. The prophets blasted them with untempered mortars, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord, when the Lord has not spoken. If ever there was a time that is for prophets to arise, this is the time. If ever there's a time for men and women, God, to hear the voice of God and to speak for, thus says the Lord, now is the time. If ever there's a time for the word of God to be taught, this is the time. God came and looked for prophets who will stand on behalf of him in the land. And he couldn't find anybody. They were talking about false vision. They were talking about what they thought about things, not what God thought about things. Then he goes to the people. In verse 29, and the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy. In my prayers, uh, you will not mistreat the poor. You will not bypass the poor. And there are many all around you. If ever there's a time of racial crisis, of racism, if ever there's a crisis of the, those who have and those who haven't, this is that season where God is saying, I'm looking for a group of people who love my people, who love the poor. And you will not be like the Good Samaritan, not the Good Samaritan, the Levite or the Pharisee who walked on the other side. More than the hurt that this person had, just seeing that other person walking on the other side and avoiding this person is going to hurt him more. And if ever there's a time to stand on behalf of the poor, the needy, and stand for justice, this is that season that God is calling for. And the Bible says, I looked for one man, looked for woman, one woman to stand in the gap. And I found none. And my challenge to you in this anniversary service and I might be disrupting you. I might be making you uncomfortable. Maybe you, uh, you, didn't, you came to hear a good, soft, good message. And I'm not the person for that. Because I believe there's a, if in this fire, you cannot be soft and quiet. When there's crisis in the land, I see shootings on the streets. I, we see 150 families coming every day for groceries and food. I see families coming from various nations in our city. I see the violence, I see the, the, the injustice, I see the need. And not just in the city of Toronto. God could have called you for various other realms of influence that you need to be. My prayer is, would you stand in the gap and say, God, here am I today. I give myself to you. I want to quickly run through a man named Elijah. He's a man I love. Uh, I, I, my nephew here, Terence, he would have heard a lot my Mel and uh, Augustine uh, from Scott Mission, they heard me a lot, speak a lot about Elijah, so I need hours and hours and hours. I'll come another time and talk to you one-on-one, -on -one maybe. Uh, but Elijah is a great guy. He comes in 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, he comes in a time of crisis. There were seven kings and seven kings who ruled, uh, and all of them did evil in the sight of the Lord. Can you imagine? Seven generations of evil. Not one generation. Not one generation of ISIS. Seven generations of ISIS. And the, and the person living and ruling at the time when he comes into, into the scene is a king named Ahab. And 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 33 says, Ahab did more evil than all the kings who lived before him. And Ahab didn't have a sweet little wife. Ahab's wife's name was Jezebel. Come on. She was beheading the prophets head off. Here was a, a crisis in the land. If ever there was a crisis, there was a tremendous crisis in Israel. 
Now, Elijah comes into the scene in 1 Kings uh, chapter 17, verse 1, uh, in NIV version, it says, Now Elijah, a Tishbite, he comes to Ahab, and he says, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there will be neither rain nor dew except by my word. Here's a guy who's willing to take a stance. Here's a guy who's willing to pay a price. Come on. Are there men and women here who are willing to pay a price? Come on, let's be honest. I tell you, one of the things that's stopping the church from coming out of the closet, if I can use that phrase very well, is fear. It's time for us to take a stance. It's time for us to stand for what we believe in. Elijah could have got, could have got his head cut off. This king is the most kick, wicked king, and here's a guy who took, who said, I'll pay the price. I'll go before the king on behalf of the land, on behalf of my people. And he didn't come up with a good blessing as a prophet saying, I will bless you from this day on. You know, so many things will happen. Good things will happen to you. He says, as, as long as, as, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there'll be neither rain nor dew except by my word. There'll be famine in the land. There'll be death in the land. There will not be no water in this land except by my word. The first thing I want to leave behind you in standing in the gap is confront your enemy. Confront your enemy. Take a stance. Don't sit back. The Bible says deal with the enemy at the gate. Don't let the serpent come into your garden. If the serpent's got into your garden, you, it's time for you to kill the serpent. If it's your home, it's your family. Don't let the enemy come into your bedroom. Confront him at the gate. Be a priest as men. Be a priest in your house. And I, I urge you, it's time to take a stance. It's time to take a stance for your family. It's time to take a stance for your city. It's time to take a stance for yourself, for what you believe in. It's time for you to say, no more enemy. I'm taking my stance. I urge you, it's time for the church to arise. It's time for you and me. I'm speaking this to myself. I have fear. I have anxiety. In a world today, I do have anxiety. I grew up in India, but there were times when I was anxious. But this word broke me, broke something in me. Somebody's got to take a stance and say, as surely as the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there'll be neither rain nor dew, except by my word. How could he do it? I'll show you two things from this verse. First thing is, God was alive. As surely as the Lord God of Israel lives. He sang the song, my Redeemer lives. And my prayer is, you would have sung it. Truthfully. Is God alive in your life? Thank you. And I'm not asking when you were born again. For me, it was 40 years ago. Is God alive? When did he speak to you? When did you speak to him? When did you hear his voice? When did you see the tangible presence of God in your life? When did you experience him? You know, Billy Graham was asked uh, by an atheist. He came, an atheist came to Billy Graham and said, There is no God. There is no God. And Billy Graham looked at him and said, that must be the latest news because I just spoke to him. <laughs> when did you speak to him? When did you hear his voice? Because when you know your God is alive, when you're in relationship, when you're in love with this God, you know, if somebody comes to you, my wife or my children, they would have better watch out because I love them. I love them. They're alive in my life. Same thing with Elijah. 
when, when Ahab came against the God of Israel, he would go against Ahab. When God is alive and you love this God, automatically you will take a stance. The second thing from this verse I want to leave behind, not only his God was alive, as surely as the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. See, Elijah knew how to stand before God. Elijah knew how, as the psalmist would say, I've set the Lord always before me. He's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. There's a beautiful thing about standing before God. When you can stand before God, you can stand before the most wicked king and speak the word that God is asking you to speak. Otherwise, you and I will be trying to say things to please people rather than please the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You and I will walk in a new level of authority when you know how to stand before God. Read about Abraham. Abraham stood before God. Abraham stood before God. There are men and women who knew how to stand before God. We live in a fast-paced world. We live in a world where you, you say what you want in your drive-thru. And if it's a few seconds late, the person takes, we start getting impatient because we want the food when we go to the counter. That's how we are made. So when we go to God, we go to God in the same pattern. We don't know how to stand before him. My mom is a woman of prayer. She's gone to be with the Lord. I remember going back from Canada. And, and, and we have family prayers every night. And, and, and uh, we knelt down on that cemented floor. And here am I from Canada, uh, you know, praying out loud, loving the Lord. We finished our prayer and I got up and I left. Everyone else left. My mom was continuing to be on her knees. She was there. She was there. She wouldn't get up. 10 minutes went, 20 minutes went, 30 minutes went. She was still on her knees. And I did all the right things to do. And I walked out and after some time she got up and I asked mom, what happened? Why were you there? She said one simple thing. She said, how can I leave when he is here? <laughs> she knew. She knew how to stand before God. And I urge, especially the younger generation, in a fast-paced information world that we are living in, you know, you get it like that. And if it's a little bit, the internet is a little bit slow, you get frustrated. Not with God. God's not in a hurry. The first song we sang about, wait upon the Lord. Learn to wait upon the Lord. It's a beauty is in the waiting. The beauty is not in getting the results. The beauty is in the process. The beauty is enjoying the Lord. The beauty is relishing the Lord. When you know how to stand before God, as I said, I don't want to take too much time. I'm still in the first point. But my prayer is you'll be alive in the Lord. And you'll know how to stand before God. The second aspect of, I want to say is, I want to talk about simple obedience. You know, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah in the next few verses. God tells Elijah, go to a brook called Sherath, and the ravens will feed you there. They'll give you great sandwiches, bread and meat. And if you and I were there, I tell you, we have a lot of theological con conversations with Jesus. Say, God, that, that can't be true. Ravens are an unclean animal. Maybe I'm hearing it wrong. You know, uh, learn to be, have simple obedience. Can I get an Amen. Simple obedience with God. There are things God has told me to do. In my right mind, I'll say, God, no, that, you're crazy. And God is crazy. We are a peculiar people. We serve a God 
who is above, beyond what we can think or imagine. I, I, I want to tell you, he confronts us, he confounds us. He confounds our wisdom. The foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of God, wisdom of man. And sometimes God tells us to do something that, that does not make sense. But my prayer is, would you obey? See, when you obey, the ravens will feed you where? There. Go to the brook called Sheriff, and the ravens will feed you there. A lot of times, we argue with God and we stop the blessing because we haven't taken the step of faith. And he goes there, and the ravens feed him. And after some time, the brook dries up. Brooks in our life will dry up. Come on. Brooks in our life will dry up. But the God who supplied the water never dries up. And I bring this word, I feel it's for many of us. You could have got into a marriage saying, this is it. But the brook is dried up. Marriage is dried up. The God of the marriage is not dried up. You could have got into so many things where, you know, uh, uh, this is it. But sometimes the brook dries up. You know, Elijah doesn't get upset because he wasn't trusting the brook. He was trusting the God of the brook. Come on. Come on. God never dries up. And God comes and says to him, go to Zarephath. There's a widow there who will feed you. Again, I would have got into an argument. Zarephath, why Zarephath? Why leave the country of Israel? Why are you taking me out? Can't you get someone else and a widow? Are you with me? God's ways are so awesome. I can go on and on and on. But the beauty is in obedience. The beauty in seeing who your God is in, is in obedience. Not trying to figure it out here, but knowing it right here in your heart. And he goes there. What's the widow doing? Gathering sticks. And I want to let, if there's someone here gathering sticks and saying, God, I do not know how my next, might not be a meal. I'm not sure how my next day is going to be. I have a word for you, God. God will take care of you. You can trust this God. You can trust this God. I speak as a person who has experienced God. I speak as a person who's seen, gone through fire, gone through deep waters. But I've seen the faithfulness of God. He does not, his, his love, his blessing does not dry up. There is a way in which he comes, he comes through. He allows us to gather sticks sometimes. And you might be well dressed. You might have a smile on your face. But you're in a place, I'm gathering sticks. This is the end of my life. Elijah walks in and says, fear not. You know, faith always cries, fear not. Come on. Come on, because he trusts the Lord. He's not trusting in the widow. He's not trusting in that flower. He's not trusting in that oil. And he speaks that word. Your flower will not dry up. Your oil will not dry up. Let me talk to you about simple obedience. Three things about simple obedience. One is hear the voice of God. The word of the Lord came. You'll find that phrase many times in the scriptures. When did the word of the Lord come to you? Have you listened to the word of God? I'm, I, I do agree. There is an aspect of the word of God comes through this word of God. The word of God comes through many ways. As a man, as a woman of God, become familiar. See, man shall not live by flesh, bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth. Not proceeded, but proceedeth. There's a daily portion of his word. 
To walk in obedience, become familiar with the voice of God, that you can hear the voice of God. The second thing in obedience, I want to say, obey the voice of God. Just do it. Just do it. Nike's phrase, just do it. Simple. Once you know it, just do it. Come on. Come on. I urge you, you will never know how beautiful and glorious, wonderful the God of God of Israel is till you just do it. He might just say, pick up the phone, call that person. Do it. And that person will start crying in the other end and say, oh wow, I was waiting for this call. You never know. I've seen the hand of the Lord in hearing his voice and just doing it. The third thing I want to say in obedience is speak the word of God. Throughout the scriptures, you'll find there are times you need to speak the word of God. Except by my word, that means neither rain nor dew. You need to speak not just your words, but to speak the word of God. Get in the morning and read the word, sing scriptures. Speak the word of God. Can I finish with the last thing? You know, this little child and the, and the widow is having a good time. In the end of the chapter, go back and read 1 Kings chapter 17. I don't, I'm not getting into it because I start preaching on every word from there. And I don't want to do that. The little boy dies. There's crisis. The little boy dies. What does the widow do? Screams at Elijah and says, all because of you. <laughs> it's all because of you all this happened. How do you handle, you know, offense? How do you handle when somebody points fingers at you that you have been the very person who has sustained that little boy and the mother turns around and says, no. But she, he doesn't let offense get gets in the way. He picks up that child. Takes the child to the upper room. Stretches himself on the little child three times. Life comes back to the child. And the beautiful scene, the last scene is the child comes down and he brings her down the stairs. The mother's looking down and the mother's so so hard. And the, in the end of 1 Kings chapter 17, it says, the, the widow looks at Elijah and says, now I know you're a man of God and the word from your mouth is truth. My question to you is, has anybody said that to you? It, it comes from a lifestyle. It comes from a lifestyle, not just speaking, not just preaching, not just saying great things. But you and I are called to live a lifestyle that people look around and say, this is a man of God. This is a woman of God. And the word from your mouth is truth. It's time for us to live that way. How does he do it? He takes the child to the upper room. And you, know, you need to know in the scriptures, there's never been a person who's raised from the dead. There's never been a person till now. So he's doing something he's never seen before. He goes, stretches himself on the child. And my word for you, the third word for you, for, I've said about stand against the enemy. Simple faith. I try to make it an S so that you guys can remember. I struggled with that a little bit, but I've managed. The final thing I want to say is stretch your faith. Come on, stretch your faith. This is not a season when you want to stand in the gap on behalf of the people of God. You cannot function based on your resources. You can't function based on your bank balance. You cannot function based on what's possible. Because the God we worship is the God of impossibility. And there's a time when God says, I want to stretch your faith. And he stretches himself on that little boy. And the little boy's life comes back to life. And I want to challenge you today. God is calling you to stretch your faith. I want to give one simple way to stretch your faith from this passage. He had an upper room. He had an upper room. My question to you is, do you have an upper room? 
What is an upper room? You find in Acts chapter 2 there was an upper room. What is an upper room? Upper room is a place where you can have encounters with God. Upper room is a place where you meet constantly with God. Upper room is a place where you cry to God. Upper room is a way, place where you get into the scriptures and say, God, speak to me. Upper room is a place where you and it's just you and God. You got to have an upper room. Don't try to create an upper room after a crisis comes. It doesn't work. You got to always have an upper room that you can take dead things to the upper room and it comes to life. You can take dead situations to the upper room and things start blossoming. You can come and take things that you cannot understand. Lord, I do not know how to handle it. You go to the upper room, shut the door and go before God. He will speak to you. It's so important. Again, I say this, especially to the younger people. You know, we live in a busy world. Everybody's taking time out of you. Whether it's your work, whether it's your, your studies, whether it's, you got to cook, you got to clean, you got to... The list goes on. And we don't give, and, and you and I give leftovers to God. Recon, not recognizing, you know, he said, bring the first fruit. I challenge you today, have an upper room. And if you don't have one, if you forget about everything else that I've said, I want to just leave this behind. If you don't have an upper room, have an upper room. Create, go back, go back. And I would urge you, have that morning time with the Lord. If you start with 15 minutes, go to 30 minutes. Go to 30 minutes, to one hour. Go to two hours. Have that communion with God. It doesn't have to be screaming, shouting. It can be. It can be quiet. It can be times when, you know, I, there are times, I, I won't take too much now. I'll, I'll try and close in two more minutes. You know, I try to cut myself off every three months. I go, block myself in a hotel room and I, I just pray. I throw my watch off. I throw everything off. And I just pray for three days. And once when I was doing that, every time I do that, as soon as I lock the room, I feel the presence of God. I love the word of God. Revelation starts flowing. I love the word and I, God starts speaking to me so powerfully. But one of the times, for three days, I did not hear the voice of God. For three days, nothing happened. I continued, I continued, I continued. Ultimately, my time came for me to leave. I packed my bag. I changed, and I, I took my Bible, and I said, okay, let me say my last prayer, and let me leave. I closed my eyes, and I, opened, I just prayed to God. I heard an audible voice of God saying, thank you for spending this time with me. And something in me just broke. Sometimes it's not how you experience. It's a matter of saying, God, here am I. Here am I. And I bring back what I said before. I'm there in the front lines in Scott Mission. I'm seeing a world which is changing right in front of us. The marijuana laws are changing. And that's affecting the Scott Mission. There's more drug dealings that's taking place in the streets of Toronto. There are more kids getting into violence. There, there's many things happening in the city. But God is looking for men and women who will stand in the gap. You and I cannot do it. But a God we worship can do it through us. And he's looking for men and women who say, here am I, just your heart. Here am I, God. Here am I, God. Let's look to God in prayer. As you quiet in your hearts,
You know, there's a world that's outside crying out for sons and daughters to be revealed in glory. And there's a God upstairs, you know, up there crying out and saying, God, who will stand for me? Who will go? And I feel this verse, Exodus 22, 30, I searched for a man, I searched for a woman to stand in the gap on behalf of my people. This morning, I want to ask you, are you willing to take that stand? And say, God, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. I give my life to you. I do not know what it means to God. God might get you out of your comfort zone. God might wake you up at three in the morning and say, tell you to pray. It doesn't matter what. God might tell you to move to another place. God might do, you just give yourself and say, God, here am I. I commit my life anew to you. Use me the way you want to. In a world that's hurting, here am I, God. If ever there was a time for men and women to take a stand, now is the time. I didn't give an altar call in the morning, morning service, but I want to do that now. And if you say, God, I, I, I want to take a stand. I want to stand in the gap on behalf of you. I want, to just, I want you to wave where you are. Not for me to see. It's wave to God and saying, God, here am I. Yeah, I see your hand. You just wave unto him. It's not for me to see at all. It's unto God and saying, God, here am I. Here am I. Daddy, you've seen those hands. And Daddy, you've seen the hearts of the people. And Father, today I pray for the city of Toronto. I pray for those who don't have a voice to cry out. I, don't, I pray for those who do not know the difference between the left hand and the right hand of God. You know them. You love them. And today I pray, God, for this your body, this your church, this your bride. That we together, God, we will say, here am I. And we will stand in the gap of God. God, I pray you'll raise up Elijah as a God. We'll be bold. We'll be men and women of prayer. We'll be men and women of obedience. And above all, God, a men and women who will know how to build that upper room. And have communion with you. We thank you, Daddy. We thank you for what you've done this morning. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray this prayer. Amen.